The White House press secretary has gotten a lot of things wrong in her short tenure as the president's spokesman. And on Friday, she continued that trend, this time repeating a falsehood about your favorite podcaster. I just want to take a step back a moment uh, and uh, really call out the shameful, hateful, and dangerous attacks that we have been seeing uh, on the LGBTQI community, uh, as we've seen this week, as I said, and also last week. Look, it started with a speaker at a conservative conference calling for the eradication of transgender people, language that not a single national Republican leader has condemned. Now, as the liberal press was forced to admit last week, That is not what I said. And so some people right now are saying that KJP is just really bad at her job. Often she is. But this attack on me was not a mistake. It was, I'm convinced, a highly calculated lie, a desperate Hail Mary pass, a last ditch effort after a week long failed attempt by liberals to stop conservatives from reframing the transgender debate, which the libs thought they had already won. We'll get into it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment on Friday is from conservative thinking moms. Some of my favorite kinds of moms are those conservative thinking ones who says, this is trans history month. Women's history month has been canceled. (laughs) That's, That's true. Sorry, guys. Women's History Month has transitioned. Now, the Women's History Month is to honor men who pretend to be women. A lot of craziness and instability. When times get crazy and unstable, you got to check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. In today's economy, it is more important than ever to safeguard your financial future with a diverse range of investments. The stock market is unpredictable. Traditional investments, bonds, real estate, they can be affected by interest rates and other economic factors. That is why buying gold with Birch Gold is such a smart choice. Gold is a tangible asset with a reliable store of value because it is not tied to any one economy or currency. It can be a safe haven in times of crisis. Birch Gold makes it easy to roll over your IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold and silver. Right now, if you buy gold, you can get a free safe to store it in. That is right. On qualifying purchases now through March 31st, Birch Gold will ship a free safe directly to your door. Text Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free safe. With your retirement at stake, you want to be confident in the financial services companies that you work with, including who you choose for purchasing physical precious metals. Text Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 989898 and protect your savings with gold today. I'm honored that the White House felt the need to lie about me. And that is what this was. That that comment from Corinne Jean-Pierre was not a spontaneous response to a reporter's question. That that comment from Corinne Jean-Pierre was prepared. It was in the press briefing. And I can just tell you, I've worked as a campaign spokesman before. I've done that kind of job in politics, obviously not at the level that Corinne Jean-Pierre has. But nothing in those briefings is accidental. Every single word, every syllable is vetted. And uh, it it was calculated in in a couple really interesting ways. One, she didn't say my name. She didn't say my name, I think, to allow her to repeat the lie that I said, that I called to genocide transgender people or whatever. Uh, 
she saw, the whole White House saw, that the liberal media had to backtrack. They had to retract their claims of what I said because they were afraid of libel suits. So she wouldn't say my name, but she did repeat that claim. Why repeat the claim? Because the transgender debate is right at this moment in the process of being reframed, which was the whole point of my speech. The whole point of my speech was that the, the libs continue to win on these issues. And, and that the trend is always, the libs propose something crazy, conservatives briefly oppose it, the libs stand firm, conservatives then embrace the views of our opponents. So it happened with feminism, the crazy feminists start burning their bras and saying, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. The conservatives say, that's totally crazy. Then five seconds later, the conservatives say, okay, feminism's fine, but this sexual revolution stuff, that's totally crazy. And then they accept that, then they accept the redefinition of marriage, then they accept transgenderism. Consider where the transgender debate was even two weeks ago. The transgender debate was the liberals said we need to trans the five-year-olds and the conservatives said you need to wait till they turn eight until you trans them. But basically everyone had accepted the premise that transgenderism for adults was totally fine. If a 25-year-old man wants to pretend to be the opposite sex, that's totally fine. That's his right. He, He should be allowed to do that which is an insane position. Obviously, virtually no one in the country, left or right, believed that even 10 years ago. Now, because the liberals just constantly move that Overton window to the left, they had effectively won that debate. The reason the libs reacted so strongly against my speech was not anything particularly special in the speech. I just said, no, I'm not conceding that ground. Transgenderism is either true or false. If it's true, then it's true for everybody of all ages. If it's false, as it obviously is, then it's false for everybody of all ages, and we shouldn't tolerate it for anybody. The second you allow even one man, one 50-year-old man to pretend that he's a woman in public life, You have granted the whole premise of transgenderism. Women have lost their bathrooms. Women have lost their sports teams. Women have lost every special right and privilege and space that they have in public life. And so it's it's an all or nothing question. There is no middle ground. So the, the White House had to lie because the attack from the media failed. They were forced to to retract their libelous statements. And then The attempt to cancel me failed. The conservative media rallied around me. And so this Hail Mary pass was from the White House. And it makes sense when you realize that the point was, one, to intimidate me into recanting. Didn't work. Two, to intimidate the conservative movement, the media, into canceling me. Didn't work. And then three, this was the final volley, to intimidate Republican politicians into disavowing me or conceding the point. The reason... I'm convinced this was so highly calculated is by getting the statement wrong, the White House was baiting Republican politicians into calling them out. And then once the Republicans called them out, the White House could say, all right, well, never mind. Maybe we got the wording wrong, but where do you stand on this issue? Do you want to eradicate transgenderism from public life? And the White House believed that the Republican politicians were too cowardly to do that. And they didn't want to open it up so they would be bullied into silence. And what the White House wasn't counting on, what the liberal media weren't counting on, is that the conservatives actually still have something of a spine on this issue. And they were willing to take that dare. Marsha Blackburn. I mean, there were were so many people in the conservative movement who rallied here. I 
certainly wouldn't have time to thank everybody for doing it and for having some courage and standing up, but everybody from the most moderate part of the conservative movement all the way to the most conservative, the elected politicians, the media, the activist groups. Uh, Marsha, though, I feel in particular was really precise here. She said, the White House and the press secretary have become experts at spewing misinformation and lies. They want to scare Americans into submission, Michael Knowles. And that, that was what this was about. Spew these lies, send a message to everybody that if you in any way stand up against our increasingly radical agenda, we will try to destroy you. We will, we will lie about you. It doesn't matter. And, and, and conservatives said, no, we don't care. We're not going to tolerate this. The, the premise of this intimidation was that conservatives don't want to be viewed as going too far. Mm, you know, we just want a moderate position. We just want to tack to the center here. If we go too far, we're going to get blown out at the ballots in, in November. No, that's not how the left thinks. That, that piece of political common sense is not very sensible, actually. The left never worries about going too far and alienating the centrist voter. And sometimes it hits them a little bit at the ballot box, but in the long run, it doesn't. They've won everything they've gone for. They've redefined marriage. They've redefined man and woman. They're transing the kids. They don't back down. They push for the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal, uh, uh, over 10 years, a $90 trillion plan to completely upend our whole political order. They're still pushing on that. It's becoming more and more mainstream every day. They pushed on to abolish the police. It hurt them a little bit in the midterms. They still push, and they have weakened the police departments, and they have weakened law enforcement, and they have opened our border, and they've succeeded. The, the, The mistake that a lot of conservatives have made in the past, they're not making it right now, fortunately, is they think that political movements are won by being the most centrist type of candidate you can possibly be and following the the consensus view. That's not how political movements are won. Political movements are won by highly motivated groups of political minorities who have a very clear vision, who don't just follow the consensus view, but who craft the consensus view. That's how political movements are won. That's how the libs have won for the last 50, 70 years. And if conservatives want to start winning, we need that clarity too. People want a choice, not an echo, to quote Phyllis Schlafly, one of the most effective political activists of the 20th century. People want leadership and a clear vision. They'll follow that. Without a clear vision, if we're just going to be the Democrats' light, people are going to vote for the Democrats. Democrats are much better at being Democrats than we are. The irony of all of this, by the way, is that as the libs are pretending that I called for mass murder, a very prominent liberal went on national television and literally called for murder. We have experienced many decades now of having agency over our body, of being able to determine when and how many children to have. We know what that feels like. We know what that's done for our lives. We're not going back. I don't care what the laws are. We're not going back. I think the women will... Rise up. That's the activist. That's Jane speaking. Yeah. And, 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 and she probably will get a Nobel Prize. But it's very, the truth. Very, very soon. It, it is the truth. But we're I, not going to do it. Besides, I, besides marching and, and protesting, what else do you suggest? Well, well it doesn't happen murder. overnight. It's not a miraculous. <laughs> what did you say? Murder. <laughs> She's kidding. Wait a second. She's just now, kidding. Don't say that. That's oh, not... you don't know. They'll pick up on that and yeah, just run that's with the it. Worst. She's joking. just kidding. It's... Well, let me talk to you about let me ask... <laughs> Let's move on and talk about Jane's activism, which is legendary. 
Oh, she's just kidding. She's just kidding. You look at Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda is not kidding at all. There's not even the hint of a theatrical kind of smile or wink here. She is dead serious, which tells you a lot about the left. Tells you two things in particular. One, when they whine and cry and clutch their pearls and completely rewrite your words to make it sound as though you're advocating violence when you've never done any such thing. It's completely disingenuous. And it's completely disingenuous because of the second point, which is that the libs would happily advocate political violence against their, their enemies. The libs, the libs have made this point all week with my transgenderism comments. They said, you can't distinguish between an idea and the people who express that idea. There's no distinction to be made. If you criticize a bad idea, then you are calling for the death of the people who hold that idea, which is, which is absurd. Anybody with yeah, even a, a slightly developed rational faculty is able to distinguish between bad ideas and people who believe bad ideas. But the libs don't fall into that group. The libs truly make no distinction between those things. And so when the libs are calling for the eradication of an idea, they actually are, in, in, certainly in the case of Jane Fonda here, calling for the eradication of people. It's sometimes said that every accusation from the libs is a confession. And Jane Fonda just, just confessed something. Confessed that this whole past week of the libs rewriting my words is because they themselves make no such distinction between ideas and people. Means that our society is getting pretty crazy. When things get crazy, you're going to want to make sure that your family is protected. You got to check out Jace Medical. Right now, go to jacemedical.com. Use promo code Knowles. If the past couple years has taught you anything, it should be that in a crisis, say a global pandemic or a natural disaster, even the basics can be hard to come by. With everything currently going on in the U.S., in the worst case scenario, do you want to be unprepared? Our partners over at Jace Medical are here to help. Jace Medical helps you get a long-term supply of prescription medication. Their mission is to empower you to be better medically prepared. A great way to start preparing is with the Jace case. It's a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a whole host of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and more. All you've got to do is fill out a simple online form and in some cases jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. From there, you can ask your physician treatment-related questions on an ongoing basis. I'll make it really simple for you. If China invades Taiwan, as is looking increasingly likely, boom, there goes your supply chain. Make sure you're prepared. Being prepared brings peace of mind that the Knowles's, that your family are always going to be taken care of. Go to jacemedical.com, enter code Knowles at checkout for a discount on your order. That is jace with a J, medical.com, promo code Knowles. So what do the libs do now? Now that the libs have flopped on their, on their desperate attempt not to allow the transgender debate to be reframed, we went from do we trans the five-year-olds or do we wait till they turn eight to now the, the debate is, do we accept transgenderism at all or do we not? Do we eradicate transgenderism entirely from public life or do we tolerate transgenderism throughout all of public life. That's where the debate is. It's not a good place for the libs to have the debate. So what do they do now? They retreat to their tried and true strategy of banning a word, of redefining a word. BuzzFeed came out with this. It's now in Yahoo News. Quote, transgenderism is just the latest example of anti-trans rhetoric. <laughs> Meaning the word transgenderism is now considered politically incorrect. 
It's rare that we get to see this happen in real time, the, the machinations of political correctness. And having written an entire book about the history and meaning of political correctness called Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, number one national bestseller, you can order it. There we go. You can order it whenever you like. You are, ne- you are witnessing something rare. You are actually consciously seeing the libs use political correctness by banning a word. They tried to, to redefine the meaning of the word. They tried to change the language that we're all using. That didn't work this past week. And so they're saying, okay, you're not allowed to say it anymore. You're not, if you saw the word transgenderism trending on social media last week and felt a sinking feeling in your stomach, you're not alone. The word was used at CPAC by Daily Wire's Michael Knowles, who said during his speech that transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. After his words were characterized as sounding genocidal, Knowles attempted to claim that he was not calling for the eradication of people when he said transgenderism must be eradicated. But turning an experience intrinsic to the lives of trans people into a noun doesn't separate it from those people whose rights and safety are currently under attack. First of all, I didn't didn't turn it into a noun. Transgenderism is a word that long predates me. I just used the word correctly. And the libs were upset that I used the word correctly. And so now they're saying you're not allowed to use it. They say, I'm kidding you not. They say, transgenderism is a phony term made up by anti-transgender activists and used to dehumanize transgender people and target them, their life-saving health care and access to society. Now, what's really weird is in the next paragraph, BuzzFeed says, the term transgenderism was actually used by trans activists in the 1990s and early 2000s. But as language evolves, words are both reclaimed by communities and co-opted by oppositional forces. So... (laughs) So on the, they say, this is a phony made-up term from the anti-trans activists. Actually, no, it's a term that was used by the pro-trans activists. But now that Knowles is using it, it's terrible and we can't use it anymore. Phony made-up term. It's just a word to describe an idea. And the libs can't defend the idea. They can't argue against the people such as the conservatives who are now pointing out the absurdity of transgenderism. They, they can't do that. And so what the only thing they can do to try to win the debate is to stop you from thinking about it, which is the whole point of political correctness. If you think about transgenderism for five seconds, you will realize that it is completely absurd. You will realize that obviously men cannot become women, women cannot become men, men cannot secretly be women, women cannot secretly be men. Your true self probably has something to do with your body. It's not totally divorced from your body, that you can look entirely like a man and have every physical attribute of a man, but on some secret plane, you're actually a woman. That's obviously absurd. And so the only way that the liberals can possibly defend that idea and hold on to their political position is to stop you from thinking about it. And because words, because language is the stuff of our consciousness, it's, it's not merely an instrument of our consciousness, but it actually constitutes our consciousness. It constitutes the way that we view the world. If you can control the language, you can control people's minds. You are seeing that happen in real time right now. Why? Because people know that whatever I said in my CPAC speech is just one of the million criticisms that are resonating recently against this tyranny of liberalism. That's just one example. But many other people have said many similar things, and it's resonating with many, many more people. I'll give you a great example of this. The UK, according to The Guardian, 
just ranked among the most liberal countries on divorce and abortion. This according to a global study. The UK ranks in the world's top four countries for accepting divorce, homosexuality, casual sex, assisted dying, prostitution, and abortion. And this is being hailed. The supporters are saying, bravo, live and let live. The battles against homophobia, racism, and misogyny helped make the UK a more liberal nation. But I don't think this has to do with any kind of phobia or misogyny or anything. Just look at the facts here. The UK is now much more accepting of divorce, of the sexual revolution, of suicide, of selling your body like you're just a slab of meat, of killing your babies. And that is not considered to be the cost of liberalism. That's considered to be the feature. That's the, re- the reward of liberalism. The great triumph of, of liberalism is that people are now having meaningless sex, are selling their bodies like they're animals, and are killing their babies, and are leaving their families. That's, we did it, guys. We did it. The divorce rate is higher than ever. We're murdering all our babies. Congratulations. If that's liberalism, I don't want it. <laughs> and I don't think I'm the weird one here. I think I'm, I'm representing the normal person's view which is if liberalism means we destroy our families, kill our babies, tank our population, engage in all sorts of destructive behaviors, then something's wrong with liberalism. I think we need to be much less liberal. I think it would be great if our countries, if the motherland over in the UK, if the United States, if the whole West ranked much lower on global studies of liberalism, because liberalism brings about pretty much nothing but misery and national destruction. If the liberals know that the fruits of liberalism have been poisonous and that the people don't like it. And so the only way to salvage their political program is to stop you from talking about it. You're not really allowed to say abortion. You're supposed to say reproductive health care, women's rights, ridiculous euphemisms. You're not allowed to talk about divorce. You talk about our individual rights to pursue our own desires, the freedom to destroy our families. You're not allowed to talk about suicide. You say, no, it's it's medical assistance in dying. It's how you transition. No, it's just killing sad people and mentally ill people and old people. That's what it is. It's just slaughtering your, it's just killing people. You kill the babies through abortion. You kill the old people through doctor-assisted suicide. That's it. That's the fr- And we don't want it. And we don't want that. And the libs don't want us thinking about it because no reasonable person wants any of that. That's the reality. And so you've got to push through this euphemistic language to see the reality. And there was a TikTok just went viral of a, of a mother who had had an abortion Getting through all of those euphemisms, all the rosy PR that the abortion industry puts out there, showing people what abortion really looks like for the mother. Does nobody talk about how hard abortions are on a woman? It's probably been a month. And I hate myself every day. It sucks because in the moment I felt like I was doing the right thing. But every time... I'm going to bed or I'm just alone. I just think about like, what if? Cause I'm not like, I'm not a child, like I'm an adult. So this just like hit me on a different level. 
I had all the means in the world to do it on my own. But I thought, like, I did it so that it would benefit not just me, but also everyone else. And I'm just so broken. I didn't even get the chance to, like, be at home or anything. Like, I just went to work. And I just want this to be over with already. Like, I'm emotionally drained. I can't do this anymore. Your heart breaks for that woman, because even though she did a very evil thing, she doesn't seem to have quite understood it. She had bought into so much of the PR of abortion, so, which, is, which is everywhere. The PR which says, oh, this is no big deal. It's like getting your appendix removed. Oh, it's not, no, it's a, you're in and out. It's just a clump of cells. It's totally, it's not a baby. It's meaningless. Just go back to work the next day. Let's go, worker bee. You, we can't be having you taking any time off to have a child or raise that child. No, you got to make more widgets at the factory. That's your freedom. That's the fruit of feminism. That's right. You get the privilege of killing your children, being pressured to do that by the culture, and then getting right back to work so you can earn a paycheck. Isn't that, aren't you so happy with your freedom? And, and she's now experienced this and she says, oh my God, what have I done? I've done something evil and I'm not even allowed to, I've killed my child and I'm not even allowed to mourn it. I'm not even allowed to admit that I killed my child and I'm not allowed to mourn it because if, if I am granted even a few days of mourning, then I would have to admit the reality of what abortion is. And even if I personally am willing to do that, the society will not allow me to do that. This poor mother, your, your heart breaks for this mother who's telling you the reality of abortion. She says, I've just... I thought it was fine when I did it, but then I, I went to bed and I can't get it out of my head. Right. The thing that's nagging at you is your conscience, which your conscience can be dulled through, through the indulgence of vice, but it's still there. You still have a natural ability to discern between right and wrong. It's still there. And so you, you still know what's happening. And, and the, the way abortion is sold is, okay, here you go. This is the solution to your problem. You got a problem. Here's the solution. Almost as if you're not going to have a life afterward. So you go, you do it. I'm not denying that if you have an unplanned pregnancy that raises all sorts of anxiety, that's what the abortion industry preys on is women's stress and anxiety and fear for the future. In fact, that maybe the man won't stick around. But she says, but I could have taken care of the baby. And I went and I, and I, had a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And now I just think, oh, it's over. And in place of relief, I just feel this sadness because now I'm never going to, because I killed my kid and nobody would even tell me what I was doing. And now that I did it, I, nobody prepared me for the sadness of the reality of what I was doing. That's what abortion really looks like. Beneath all the rosy euphemisms, women's health care, choice, Freedom. That's the reality. Speaking of women and conscience, uh, Grace Van Dien, who is one of the actresses in Stranger Things, just came out and explained why she's quitting Hollywood, or at least taking a break from Hollywood. And it's, it's one of the most dignified videos I've seen out, out of Hollywood in years. Turning down acting projects and deciding to stream more, but the fact of the matter is the last few projects I've worked on, I didn't have the best experiences. One of the last movies I did, one of the producers asked me to, like he, 
hired a girl that was he was sleeping with, and then he had her ask me to have a threesome with them. So, like, that's my boss. And so I don't really want to be pressured to have threesomes with my boss, and so I'm having a new job now, which is similar to my old job, but it's a little bit different. Good honor. Good honor. This is a reminder that integrity has a cost to it. There are going to be all sorts of temptations in life to give up your integrity, to trade your integrity for a little bit more fame or a little bit more money or whatever. A little more convenience, a little more ease. And she says no. And so she's giving up acting projects because she doesn't want to take a ride on the casting couch. Some people are saying, well, she shouldn't have to pay the cost of that integrity. This this dirtbag producer, he should be held accountable. Yeah, he should. Totally. He should. Would, would that it were so simple. But that's not the way Hollywood works. Don't look at us conservatives. It's not the conservatives who run Hollywood, okay? That's, that's not the way Hollywood works. That's not the way Hollywood has ever worked. There's risk of corruption in all industries, but especially show business, because the promise of fame is so tempting and so uh, precious to so many people. And because the, the commodity that you are selling in show business is yourself, is your body. So it's no surprise that <laughs> that commodity is traded in the back rooms, even as it's traded on camera as well. And she knew that. And so Grace Van Dien could try to restart the Me Too movement. The Me Too movement was always bogus. It was always just a, a, a PR stunt. Not, not the women who were complaining about the abuse, but all of the Hollywood dirtbag men who said, oh, he for she, I'm with her, I'm, time's up, me too. They're all, all the ones perpetrating it. And they had no intention of changing their behavior. It was all totally fake. And so instead of Grace Van Dien saying, I'm going to wait for reality to be different than it has always been in this dirty town, I'm just going to, I'm not going to do it. If that's the cost of being a big star in Hollywood, I'm not going to do it. I'll go do something else. Good honor. This is the consequence of a theme that we've been talking about for the past week, which is feminism and the sexual revolution. Feminism says women and men should be treated exactly the same. They're indiscernible. Woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Well, consequence of that is men are not going to treat women with a special care. They're going to treat women the way they treat men with the same kind of roughness that they would treat men. And that's that's no good because men and women really are different. The sexual revolution as a consequence of feminism says, oh, sex, it's, it can be totally casual, doesn't mean anything. And so sex is going to be traded as a casual thing in Hollywood. It's a direct consequence of this. And rather than try to change the whole world, Grace, Grace Van Dien says, I'm out. See ya. Good honor. Very, very impressive. I think it's irrefutable though. All this sexual revolution stuff stemming from feminism has not succeeded at what it promised to do, which is make everybody happier. It has made everybody more miserable. I gave this talk in Buffalo on Thursday. Thousand people showed up, even though the room was relatively small. It's only about a 300 person room. It's probably 500 protesters. So even just the protesters wouldn't have been able to fit into the room. And it was a fairly modest speech on the history of feminism and uh, how it pertains to political correctness, wokeness, leftism, relatively 
dry speech. But people got so wound up about it. There was a debriefing at the Gender Institute of the University of Buffalo. Debriefing by these professors and students to, to work through the stress and anxiety caused by my campus lecture. This was a really emotional, ex- so I think like I'm going to go back a step and say it was an awful experience. Um, and that probably the worst part of it was the absolute glee that some of the audience took. Honestly, I have not seen such glee except maybe in, you know, Nazi, like, propaganda. You know, like, it it was really something. The long lines were engineered um, to create fear. So there wasn't, like, that's not free and public discourse. That's a performance, okay? So much there. First of all, the long lines were engineered to create fear. The the long lines were a result of lots of people showing up to the event. <laughs> I didn't, they weren't engineered. There, there was a door to the event and people were allowed in until it, the room was filled. And when you are waiting to get into a show or a lecture or any public space, you wait in a line. It was the fear, the, the long lines of the fear. And, and, but if you did make it into the room, the worst part was the glee. People actually liked what this awful man said. And the only time I've seen glee like this was in Nazi propaganda. If your only reference point for glee is Nazi propaganda, something has gone seriously wrong in your life. <laughs> if you... If you can't, when you think of glee, you don't think of my child's birthday party, the the look on my loved one's face as we watched the sunset. If, if you know, you, you, the only gleeful experience that you can think of is a Nazi propaganda movie. Your life does not have enough glee, okay? You need to go outside and touch grass and, I don't know, go watch a movie or something. You know, take a walk on the beach. Anything, anything. Get, get, something in your life that is not totally misery-inducing. But unfortunately, these people live their lives in, in accordance with ideas that are not conducive to their flourishing. I mean, that was the whole point of the talk. I said that these ideas, such as feminism, promise to make you happy, and then every measure we have of it shows that they have not made you happy. They've made you more and more miserable. So if you, if you suffer at any point in your life. Well, that's just life. Life has suffering to it, okay? And you're going to have bad days and the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike, and that's just part of it. But if you are constantly miserable, if you never ever feel glee, and someone else exhibiting happiness causes you pain, that's on you. Something, Something is wrong in your mind, and you need to change your mind a little bit or else you're going to continue living a very miserable life. You've seen this throughout higher education, not just at the University of Buffalo. Stanford Law School. Stanford Law School just exhibited one of the most shameful displays I have ever seen or heard of in a university. A judge showed up to give a talk at Stanford Law School. Stanford Law School is ranked the number two law school in America. Judges Fifth Circuit Judge Kyle Duncan, he showed up to a Federalist Society 
erwärmt. And then students showed up to protest him. Screaming, obscene, disgusting, sexual, vulgar things at him. Calling him a liar, calling him a scumbag. At, at a certain point, Judge Duncan had had enough of this. He said, can someone, I don't know what these people are doing, but can someone please get an administrator in here to bring order back to a classroom at Stanford Law School? So the administrator shows up. The administrator takes the side of the shrieking, howling, vulgar, obscene, crazy students. The administrator shows up. Do, do we have a video clip of this? I'm going to speak here, and I'm being heckled nonstop. And I'm just asking for an administrator to sign. That's an administrator. Please, 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 If you want a marketplace of ideas, you have gotten what you wanted, take it. Like, do you want an echo chamber? What's the issue? Can I help? I guess I have to hear remarks, but they're not letting me. They're not letting me. Go ahead. Yes. And I have to write something down because I'm so uncomfortable up here. And I don't say that for sympathy. I just say I'm deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Um, I'm uncomfortable because this event is tearing at the fabric of this community that I care about and I'm here to support. And I don't know, and I have to ask myself, and I'm not a cynic to ask this, is the juice worth the squeeze? And it's uncomfortable to say this to you as a person. It's uncomfortable to say that for many people here, your work has caused harm. Is the juice worth the squeeze? That's the administrator. Is the, she says, look, oh, it's, your lecture is tearing us all apart at this community, and I guess you have a right to give it. And so this is very, very terrible, and the judge shows up and gives a talk, and the administrator is called in to put down these howling banshees and say, pipe down so you can listen to your, your better. <laughs> pipe down so you can listen to an actual federal judge from whom you can learn quite a lot if any of you ever want to be lawyers or judges someday. And she says, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? RIP higher education. The scary, the scary part is not that this is the number two law school in the country. By the way, the number one law school, Yale Law School, had a very similar incident last year with Christian Wagoner from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Christian Wagoner, very respected judge, Supreme Court litigator, shows up, gives a talk on religious liberty, and the students also start screaming and howling like a bunch of animals. And the, the Stanford administration, the Yale administration, they both paid lip service afterward to, okay, this wasn't totally great. Uh-uh. Unless that administrator at Stanford is fired, unless those students are expelled, then it's all just BS. Talk is cheap, okay? And the fear is not even just that higher education is dead, that the most prestigious law schools in the countries are dead. The fear is that these people are going to be lawyers someday. These people might be judges someday. The fear is not just that higher education is, is, is gone. It's that our whole system of law and order and civil government is gone. What if I told you that there's one book that has done more for literacy than any other book? It has shaped literature, art, culture, government, and countless lives. I am, of course, referring to the Bible. You know who else the Bible's had an influence on? Jordan B. Peterson. In addition to his Exodus series, Jordan has a documentary called Logos and Literacy, where he traces the Bible through history to show you the impact that it has had on the Western world. Here's the trailer. I was very much struck by how the translation of the biblical writings jump-started the development of literacy across the entire world. Illiteracy was the norm. The pastor's home was the first school, yeah. and every morning it would begin with singing. 
The Christian faith is a singing religion. Probably 80% of scripture memorization today exists only because of what is sung. This is amazing. Here we have a Gutenberg Bible printed on the press of Johann Gutenberg. Science and religion are opposing forces in the world, but historically that has not been the case. Now the book is available to everyone. From Shakespeare to modern education and medicine and science to, to civilization itself. It is the most influential book in all of history, and hopefully people can walk away with at least a sense of that. This is the part where I would normally tell you that Logos and Literacy is only available for Daily Wire Plus members, but we are making it available for free for everybody at dailywireplus.com. Only for a limited time, though. So watch Logos and Literacy today at dailywireplus.com. Speaking of hysterical leftists, we're a few months early here, but I'm, I'm prepared to bring this out now. Got to give a hat tip to Jack Posobiec for calling my attention to this. June 21st, 2018, Greta Thunberg, St. Greta of the Blessed Sailboat, tweets out, a top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuels over the next five years. Greta has apparently deleted this tweet. I'm just going to look at my calculations here. It's 2018, now it's 2023. Carry the seven. Oh, it's been five years. Almost. It's been four years and what, nine months? We are approaching the end of the world, aren't we? And yet, the behavior of people might seem to predict the end of the world, but the natural facts of the earth seem just fine. Another doomsday prophecy has not come true, as all the rest of the doomsday prophecies have not come true. This is what the libs always do. They tell you that in 12 years, 10 years, Five years, the world is going to end unless you do exactly what they demand that you do, unless you give them all the money and all the power, and then, then maybe we'll avert the end of the world. And then those prophecies never come true. But they're so far into the future that the libs assume that you'll never call them out when they don't come true. This has been the case since, well, since all of human history. But it goes back to the, the population bomb. Paul Ehrlich in the population bomb said in 1970 that Within 10 years, there would be mass famines. The world population would plummet. It was inevitable. We could start now sterilizing people and, and killing babies through abortion, and we might need to even coerce it, uh, but it's still not going to help all that much. These, these predictions led directly to policies in places like India, which sterilized lots of poor people in exchange for the use of utilities. In places like China, which had the one-child one policy, killed untold numbers of babies because of these sorts of predictions, and then didn't come true. Didn't matter. Actually, 50 years on, the world population doubled. Malnutrition was in an all-time low. Oops, got it wrong. It's always wrong. It's all, all these predictions about climate change, about the population bomb, about the end of the world. They're always false, and it's important 
to celebrate when they don't come true. Shouldn't we be happy? Shouldn't Greta be happy? Why doesn't Greta retweet this and say, hello, how wonderful, I don't really know how the Swedes sound. Don't you know, this is so wonderful. The world hasn't ended. Yippee, hooray. No, they're upset when it doesn't happen. They hide it. They have to delete it. They say, oh, remember, oh, my calculations were a little wrong. Uh, but uh, three more years, if you don't give me what I want. Uh, three more years, that's when the world is going to end. Okay, see you in three more years. What's the point of all this? The energy secretary for Joe Biden explained what the point of all of this is. I think China has done, um, has been very sensitive and has actually invested a lot in their solutions uh, to achieve their goals. So we're, we're hopeful that, you know, we can all learn from what China is doing, but the amount of money that they're investing in clean energy is actually, you know, uh, encouraging. There it is. Here's the point. The point is to make our system of government look more like China's. It's not just Jennifer Granholm and the Biden administration who's saying this. The World Economic Forum has been saying this. The liberal elites all over the world have been saying this. They look at China's model and they say, oh, that's a pretty good way for the elite to take a lot of power over the people. What's the model? The model is mass surveillance. The model is a social credit system. And the model is the total control of people's habits of living all the way down to what kind of stoves they use to heat their pots of gruel, all the way down to what kind of transportation they're allowed to take, whether or not they're able to leave their homes, all the way down. And how do they justify it? They justify it in the name of this eschatology of climate change, this woke pseudo-religion that has all of the elements of a religion, all of the kind of quasi-sacraments, uh, all of the kinds of rituals, all the kinds of liturgical garments, and of course, the end times prophecies. That climate change exists to animate this move away from our traditional way of life toward this new way of life. And it's not just that this new way of life is communist. It's not just that China is a purely communist country. It's not. China uses market mechanisms. China, I don't think Xi Jinping is the most ideologically orthodox Marxist that's ever lived. And frankly, I don't think that their system is all that different from the system in the West. We have the same kind of mass surveillance that China does. In fact, we have a much more sophisticated system of mass surveillance that we use against our own people. We have a social credit system, whether the United States wants to admit it or not. If you, if you contradict the ruling regime, you can have your Uber shut down. You can be put on a no-fly list. You can be debanked. This has happened to political dissidents in the United States. And because our society is increasingly moving away from cash, you can be, you can be frozen out of the, the system, out of the financial system. You won't be able to protest either because you'll be deplatformed from social media, which is the public square. Doesn't look all that different. So when, when the ruling class liberals tell you, we want to look like China, believe them. They're telling you their plans. And, and you're, you're even seeing this impulse in the way they use language. The idea that in the total state, in a totalitarian regime, everything down to your private thoughts is controlled by the ruling power. The words that you are allowed to use, history, what actually happened, what people actually said, no, 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 you didn't hear that. No, 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 you didn't see that. No, no, no. History is always changing. 
Reality is always changing. The party, whatever the party says, is always right. It's Music Monday, baby. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member right now if you're not already a member. Dailywire.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.